Good morning, everyone. I want to start this morning by asking this question of, did you all see the story um, this week of the uh, the husband and wife that was attacked by the rabid bobcat? I mean, honk your horn if you saw the story. Okay, only a couple people. Look, well, I'm getting ready to, to, to share some things with you here that you might find uh, crazy. So, um, all of this was captured. You can go look at this uh, online. All this was captured on a home security camera outside this couple's house. And they were on their way to the vet to take a cat um, to, the, uh, to the vet's office. And you see the, the guy near the driver's side, and then you see his wife walking alongside the passenger's side. And all of a sudden, you hear a horrible screeching sound. And then the woman starts screaming, and the man runs around. He grabs this animal off her back, and when they're interviewing him later, he says, um, I thought it was a, a cat of some sort, but I really didn't know all I knew. All I knew is I needed to get it off my, my wife's back. He takes the bobcat, he runs to the other side of the car, he holds the bobcat up, and he says at that moment when he held the bobcat up, looked it in the eyes and could see its face, he realized it was a bobcat. And then you see him awkwardly take the bobcat and throw the bobcat as far as he can. Um, again, the bobcat was, was rabid. Um, it resulted in him shooting at once and somebody else coming in, a police officer coming in and finally, it was craziness. And the reason I tell you this, this whole story is to say that the text that we're gonna look at this morning has a little bit of that feel to it. Like, you see the headline, you see what's going on, you read the story, and then you just, you you reread it, you think about it, and then you gotta go back and look, did that really happen? Why did that happen? What were the circumstances that led up to it? <clears throat> Maybe more importantly, what can it teach us? So we're going to look at the story of, of Noah this morning. We're going to pick the, the story up in Genesis chapter 6. And this is what it says. Six, chapter 6, Genesis 6, starting verse 11. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight. It was full of violence. God saw how the corrupt earth, how corrupt the earth had become. For all the people on the earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people. For the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. Earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. And then there's a few verses here. Uh, very specific instructions. Um, pick it back up. He says, you are to bring the ark into the ark to of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, and every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come back to you, come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. God did everything just as, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. So what do we make of this story? And where does it fit into our series that we're in where we're talking about, even in the midst of possibly over the last year, us um, taking some steps backwards? How do we move forward even when we fall? 
So this morning, there's a lot that can be said about this text. I want to talk about three things. First, I want to talk a little bit about where evil comes from and how it corrupts us as humans. I want to talk about God's commitment to redemption, even in the midst of all this evilness. And three, I want to talk about what obedience looks like and how it, at the very core, is a remedy of sorts as we deal with sin and evil in the world. So as we look at Scripture, this question comes up. Where does evil come from? And what we've seen so far from the text, as we go through the entirety of Scripture, we see that evil is anything that stands in opposition to God and His way for both the earth and for the people that are that, that He created. All right, so anything evil at the very core is anything that stands in opposition of what God wants for this world and for the people that live in it. We see that in the garden, evil entered through a decision that Adam and Eve made to eat the fruit. And the, the decision and the, the temptation was brought by the serpent or the tempter or, the, or, or Satan, in, the enemy, whatever you want to call him. Evil found its way into the world through the devil and it settled in people's hearts. Last week, you'll notice that as we talked about um, the first family of, of Scripture that came when he killed his brother Abel, we give no context that the serpent was any place nearby. Satan didn't have anything directly to do with it, yet there was something that had settled into Cain's heart that he was corrupted by. And when he made a series of decisions upon decisions that went away from God, it ended up with him murdering his very brother. So I think we can say this from what we know so far. Satan, number one, Satan is the embodiment of evil on this earth. He messes with people, with power structures, with the political realm, with principles that are worked in this world. He's going to do whatever he can to lift things up that go against God's way for this world. And whatever he can do to mess with things, he is going to do. And as we look through scripture, there is this reality that many people seem to have, because of this evil that... that that seeped in and marred the image of God which we were all made in. That this, this, this ability to choose that which goes against God has taken root in us and is growing. We'll see this in these words again from Genesis chapter 6. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people on the earth had corrupted their ways. The people themselves had become corrupted. Sin and evilness has a way of corrupting and soaking into who we are. The best illustration I got for you this morning of what this is would be um, to talk about Halloween candy. So Halloween candy, if you haven't been trick-or-treating in a little while, 
um, there's a there's kind of a sacred ritual that happens in our house. It's weird to say a sacred ritual on Halloween. Okay, you see what I'm saying. But after we come home, all the candy is laid out, and it's divided into two large categories. There is chocolate on one side. There's all the fruity stuff on the other. Starburst, Skittles, all that stuff. And the two shall never mix simply because this, if they stay in the same bag too long, they start soaking up the flavors of the things that they are with. So you can go to eat a Butterfinger and it has like a taste of Starbursts. Or you can eat a, you know, um, some Skittles and they have that weird chocolatey taste. You know what I'm talking about? You've, you've tasted that before, somebody, anybody? Nobody? Come on, somebody's had that before. Okay. So, um, someday, someday if anybody really wants to, we're going to take turns and let everybody come up here and uh, talk to cars because I can barely see most of your faces. Um, so I never know if like you're like going, oh my goodness, what is he talking about? And rolling your eyes or if you're laughing or if you know exactly what that feels like. So, we have sin that when it is an evilness, when we're left near it, we like soak it up. Like it, it physically gets into us and becomes a part of who we are. And that's why throughout the, the New Testament, so many of, of, of the, the, the calls throughout Scripture is particularly about owning and taking responsibility for our own actions. All right? So you know the, the, the old saying that when you do something wrong, the devil made me do it. Scripturally speaking, that happens from time to time. The majority of what we'll see throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, as people, as people are led astray, and the stuff that's already in their own heart, because it's, they've soaked in it, leads them astray. Does the devil mess with people? Yes. Directly, yes, he does. But there's a lot of times that we never need a direct touch to do something that doesn't align with God's heart. We're going to talk about that more before we, we're done today. But let me say point number two. God works even in the midst of this to bring about redemption. In the midst of all of this brokenness, this violence, this corruption, God does not give up on his mission that he set out to do that started all the way back in the garden, which was, even after the fall, to redeem humanity. His story is one of redemption. And this guy Noah caught God's attention because he was he lived well and he lived right. And he's someone that got it even though everyone around him had lost it. And God continues his plan of redemption through this person, Noah. If you go back this afternoon and read all of Genesis 6, starting at the very beginning, you're going to see that there's almost this moment where it felt like, again, it felt like, I don't really think God was, I don't know God's, all of what God is, is thinking in this moment. But when you read the text and just take it for what it says, it feels like God was so frustrated that he was ready to give up completely on humanity in this moment. Completely, he was just so frustrated. And yet, 
God persevered. He used this man, Noah, and his family to, to restart the earth. And if God had ended the story here, number one, we wouldn't all be here talking about it. But if he had ended the story, there would have been no need for Jesus ever to step foot on this earth. There would have been no need for God to sacrifice his own son. But God did not give up on his own plan of redemption. He kept the story moving along, and he used Noah as the next person to keep the story going. Obedience. Obedience is the key here. The text says that, that God gave Noah all these instructions on how to build the ark. And it says, Noah did everything God commanded. Obedience is the way out from being overran by evil. Obedience is our way out from being overran by evil. Evil cannot get a foothold in our life when we are obeying God. It's simply the two cannot exist in the same place. And again, we come back to this simple the simple yet profound truth. There is a choice that we have as humans to obey or disobey. To live in obedience or to live in disobedience. If you've been looking around in your life and you've been asking this question, I feel stuck. I feel drugged down. I don't know what to do. Then maybe the next best and good thing you can do is practice some obedience. So maybe it's stop, I've, you've got to stop doing, and you fill in the blank with whatever you need to stop doing. Or I need to hold on to and embrace, fill in the blank. I need to forgive that person. I need to ask that person to forgive me. I simply need to call that person and talk to them. I simply need to give my time to this, this place or that place where I'm needed. I don't think we'll have to all, all of us, don't have to search far to find that place where we need to be obedient. Eugene Peterson once said that obedience is a long walk in the same direction. Obedience is a long walk in the same direction. This kind of lines up with an ancient rabbinic tradition about Noah. So this is outside scripture. You're not going to find the same place in scripture. But those early Jewish uh, teachers, those rabbis, as they would talk about the story of Noah, there's another, there's a, there's a piece of the story that they always told. And I think there's something we can learn in this. They would ask, what do you think was the first thing that Noah did after being given the commandment to build the ark? And the answer is, he planted trees. He planted trees. It makes sense, right? The amount of trees, I mean, excuse me, the amount of wood it would take to build and construct the ark would have been enormous. And this would be a, this wasn't going to be a weekend project building the ark, but this was going to be multi-years project of building the ark. He's going to need a lot of wood. So 
The first thing he did was go and plant trees. Can you imagine Noah waking up that next day, looking at the, the schematics for what he was going to build and have run all the numbers for the amount of wood he was going to need. And then it, they said, him and his, his son said, what are we going to do today? And he says, we're going to plant trees. Knowing that those trees would be needed multiple years from now to finish what he was about to start. When we think about our our game plan of sorts to live an obedient life. One way of actually saying this is saying, today I'm going to plant trees. I know it's going to take a while for them to grow, but I know that I'm called to do this. I know I'm supposed to go there. I know I'm supposed to fill in the blank. I can't get from A to B today, but what I can do is I can start planting trees. We can plant trees right now. And in the face of all the craziness and evil that swirls around us sometimes, we can, in the face of all that, we can be people that plant trees. We can be people that plant trees. This week, I want to challenge you to plant some trees. I want to challenge you first and foremost to plant the trees of this week. Intentionally finding time each day to pray and finding time each day to read scripture. These are things that all of us um, want to do and all of us would say is important. Nobody's ever argued with me and, and said, those aren't that big of a deal. We shouldn't really worry about them. But there's sometimes those things that we often do not practice because there's larger, bigger things and fish to fry, per se. I want to encourage you through praying, intentionally praying for yourself by surrendering your life, praying for others, through reading scripture and listening to God's voice, those are ways in which we plant seeds of obedience. And those seeds, as they grow, they produce a life that is full and whole and is lived in a right and a good way. So if you're looking for a place to start this week, start by praying daily and reading Scripture daily. And if you're, once you do that, or if you're doing that already, ask God these questions. Ask Him, what other trees need to be planted in my life. What are the trees that you plant in my life? God, what do I need to invest in for the sake of your work in this world? What do I need to start doing now so that I will have around me what I need to fulfill the call? us to be dominated 
by the sand that so easily entangles us. Again, I remember, um, I remember a gentleman at our, at our last church, um, he was an alcoholic, and one of the things that he said, is, I'll never forget, is he got up and was given a testimony one Sunday, and he said, I cleaned my house, talking about his heart, but I left it empty. I cleaned my heart, I got clean, but I did not invite Jesus to come in and dwell in my heart. You see, when we are practicing obedience, it is a way, especially when we're reading scripture and we're praying system, it's a way of inviting God to come in and dwell. And when he's there, and we're practicing obedience, sin cannot get a foothold in our This week, I encourage you to find whatever way you can to go and plant trees. Let's pray together. Father, lead and guide and direct us. We know that from the beginning, have been about redeeming humanity, redeeming us. Father, have your way with us. Change us and shape us and mold us. Make us into the people that you desire us to be. We lay our hearts and our lives before you. Just do your work in us this week. Help us to find a way that we get up every morning this week and plant trees. Just lead us and guide us and direct us. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all for, uh, for being here today. It was good uh, having you all. And we will see you back here at the same time next week. Talk to you soon.